Want to stream cognitive dissonance to your Android or iPhone? Buy the app. Go to dissonancepod.com and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Each purchase helps support the show. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. Recording from Glory Hole Studios in Chicago, this is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there may or may not be a welcome mat at some point. This is episode 213 of Cognitive Dissonance. This is our lucky episode, Cecil. 213? This well, it's 13. Oh, come on. Right? 213. <laughs> if you had Listen, I will tell you this. If you had a building that had 200 stories in it, right? It would not have a 213th. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. I don't know. Are there 113 story buildings? I have no idea. I now I have to look that up. Yeah. 160, more than 160 stories in where the fuck is that? <laughs> it ain't Idaho. <laughs> that's not a place. Burj Khalifa. Yeah, that dude. That's got to be in Dubai, right? Is that dude? That Dubai is like the place where they build like they're like they're like we have so much money we built a skyscraper out of Maseratis. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. We just don't care. Then we poured liquid gold and baby teeth all over it. It's like. <laughs> What the fuck is going oh, on you, over where'd there? You get the, where'd you get the... Ah, don't you worry your silly or pretty little head about the baby teeth. You got to take the baby teeth out of those kids if you want to get a blowjob from your young wife. Oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I mean, God. They don't know any better, Tom. We're minutes into this thing. We're minutes in. <laughs> this is why we can't have new listeners. Oh, just fucking edit the whole thing. Just, just edit the, it all. The edits, the edits for this show should be very simple. Delete. <laughs> See, we'll start our in point two seconds after Tom says 213, and we'll end it with, and that's it. We'll wrap up with <laughs> the Skeptic's, the skeptics Creed. Creed. <laughs> the rest of it. We should release an, an ultra-edited episode that's just like that, just yeah. to see what people... Uh, no. I, I noticed that last episode was a little short. Yeah. Little, Still the same amount of laughing, though. Right, they're like, ah, oh, the content actually improved. <laughs> Can you believe what could be the world's most fearsome, destructive weapon? Obama's third term? Not really. That's what Secretary of State John Kerry is saying about global warming. It's been so hot this winter. winter. I don't know where Kerry has been spending his time, but... Uh, Maybe he's so wealthy they have a special house that's all uh, has tropical plants in it, so it, he feels like he's in the tropics. But the rest of us, it's been cold as the dickens. So this first story comes from Salon.com. Uh, the twisted morality of climate denial, how religion and American exceptionalism are undermining our future. 
otherwise known as this is why we can't have nice things. Yeah. So this basically is is a incredibly incredibly short article given the nature like you read that you read that uh title and it's like oh man I'm in for I'm in for a fucking treat like we're going to get we are going to get down and dirty into this thing. <laughs> and then you read the article and it's just like yeah, well, you know, climate change challenges people's ideas about God, and then they don't want to do the work, and it doesn't fit with our image of ourselves. <laughs> and I'm like, wah. man, Salon, you guys fucking nailed it again. <laughs> Way to report. <laughs> oh, so insightful. But anyway, I'm, yeah. I'm drawing your attention to the article that I mock, because right. despite its lack of insightful content, I do think that the three major points that they make are depressing enough to bring up. Um, and the first one, the climate change challenges people's traditional beliefs about God. Um, Senator Inhofe, or Einhoff, Inhofe? Einhofe, I think is. Einhofe. It's, 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 it's German for uh, in the anus, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he's had some things. This is the guy who showed up to the, to the Senate uh, or to the House. I don't know what he is. He showed up uh, to Congress. I don't know which branch. With a fucking snowball? Yeah. <laughs> and was like, look, snow means we don't have climate change. Oh, that's awesome. Also, I don't understand climate change. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he, like, wanted a slushy. Like, he really wanted a slushy. <laughs> I don't know. Why would you show up to the fucking Senate floor with your snowball? And 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 what kind of terrible rhetoric is that anyway? I mean... Dude pulls out a fucking snowball and is like, hey, guys, there's still snow, right? So therefore, no climate change. Like, like that—that that is imagining that climate change, do, there's never, ever, ever, ever going to be any more snow. That's it. It's done. There's snow is over. That's what people, is that what, is that the straw man he's creating for the other side? I, I actually do believe that it is the straw man that he's created because that's the that's the argument. I mean, you've heard that, right? Like picking up your fucking phone and being like, well, I don't know. My weather app says it's cold. <laughs> like, that's not <laughs> climate, you stupid motherfucker. Uh... You, uh, uh, like exactly what is predicted if climate ch- like exactly what is predicted is happening. Right, yeah, yeah. like severe droughts and like heat waves and cold snaps and severe percent. Like this is exactly what we were told to expect. Right. I've been in some arguments uh, based on climate change a few times here and there, and one of the things that that people will say, especially uh, that that just sort of I don't know, just irks the hell out of me, is they'll say something like, you know. Uh, well, the scientists don't know this thing, so they must not know anything else about so- right. climate change. Like one 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 person recently said something like, "Come on, the, the scientists don't even know why the global warming has has sort of slowed, why it's slowed down, why in the last ten years, while they may have been the hottest on record, it hasn't increased, it hasn't gone up like the hockey stick graph. You know, like it hasn't gone up since then. That's just pointing at surface temperature of the Earth. That's not looking at." the entire global temperature of the earth, which also includes the deep oceans and the deep oceans are We haven't really had any kind of ability to measure that. You know, we just never really did measure it and never really considered it when we talked about climate change. And now they're starting to look at it and saying, Oh, 
we're actually raising the temperature of the ocean a lot. Oh, so when we say it hasn't actually raised, it actually has raised up. It's just doing it in the deep oceans and in the oceans rather than in on Earth on the on the surface temperature. So you know, even in that situation, when people are trying to, they're trying to look at the situation that's happening and they're trying to justify their current position based on picking out little pieces and anomalies that are in in the actual data. And what's happening is is that people are are uh, they're misrepresenting what's happening on the climate scientist side. And what happens here, especially in this article, is it's this person is they're 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 saying that when the people who are against climate change, what they're th- what they think is that there's some sort of conspiracy where all this all the scientists are in, in on it. All the scientists are in on this conspiracy. And that has not been my experience. I'm not saying that there aren't people out there who believe that sci- that climate scientists aren't in some sort of weird cabal where I don't even know what they do, like worship Frosty the Snowman or something. I don't even know what you do <laughs> in that weird cabal. But in any case, there I don't know that there's a lot of people out there that have that 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 sense of uh, collusion with climate scientists. I think that more often people don't understand science and don't understand how scientists come to know what they know. And I don't think that they respect the science. And I also think that they believe that scientists can be dogmatic and that scientists can look at data and automatically presume one thing and not pay attention to anything else and, uh, and reject data that doesn't fit into their worldview. Uh, when it, and, I, and, and that's been my experience. That's been what most people I feel when I talk to them. That's what they say. And that's, um, that's, I think, a little sadder than people believing in a conspiracy because in this case, they're harder to convince because they just don't they don't think that science is really worth much. I, I get this feeling just and I'm just spitballing, but I get this feeling from from what you just said that that there is a sense out there that there is a thing like this monolith called science and science does things and science knows things. Um, and there seems to be a lack of respect for the for the idea of science as a process for obtaining knowledge right and that's that's always been the thing that that uh that struck me as valuable like if we're going to say like if we're going to say what is what is the value of this thing we call science and and then we we divide into this thing that we call science and we say okay on the one hand there is science the body of knowledge and then on the other hand, we have science, the set of processes by which we get to knowledge. Far and away more important, I would think, to understand is science as a process, right? Because science as a body of knowledge is subject to change. Science sure. as a body of, of knowledge, meaning like this is the list of things we understand about the world, that's actually the least important piece of the puzzle, and it's bound to change because it, it must change it, it because the process piece, which comes always in the forefront, dictates that the back end, which is the body, the, the body of information gathered, the data gathered, the conclusions offered. These are the pieces of science, the monolith that the public seems by and large to uh, I don't want to say understand, but to to know. Like, this is, like, how they think of science. I think this is, and again, I'm spitballing. I have nothing to back this up except for my general opinion and, and experiences. So I'm not, I'm not saying this is necessarily applicable across all peoples. But 
But my experience has been that when people talk about science, they never talk about science as process, as the method by which we come to understand the world. They talk about science as the list of things that we understand. And if you think about it that way, yes, it would be dogmatic because it would say science has said X, period, rather than science has said X ellipse, right? Or science has said, you know, science has posed the following question and suggested the following response or some other more accurate way to pose that that information that's gathered within that body of knowledge. And I think when we when we we do a disservice to the public, when we talk about science as this sort of monolithic thing rather than this set of, of processes by which we come to understand. Because when it is monolithic, Cecil, I think, man, you're absolutely right. People look at it and say, well, fucking scientists don't under you can't even you can't even utter that sentence if what you're doing is respecting process, right? Right, right. You can't even utter the sentence, well, science doesn't know this. You're right. Science doesn't know things. Yeah. Science isn't a thing that knows stuff. Yeah, and 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 the fact that scientists are wrong or can be wrong is seen as a as a bad thing. Right. It's seen as a as a negative thing. It's like, oh, well, they don't even know. Well, of course they don't know. You know, like that's the process of science to work themselves towards an answer, to try to find things out. To not know something is not a is not a detriment. That's not a negative thing. In fact, I, it's the virtue of yeah, this process right. as opposed to other processes. Right. I I I do want to talk a little bit about um the mindset though that goes into this about especially about god because this senator uh anal rape or whatever his name is what's his name in in inhoff senator inhoff is is talking about uh he says basically i'm going to quote here he says god's still up there the arrogance of people to think that we human beings would be able to change what he is doing in the climate to me is outrageous and that speaks to an idea of like god is here to provide for us and god is the one in control. We're not in control. If that's the case, then why exactly do we need to buy it, like build a Keystone pipeline? If God wanted us to have that oil, he would have just given us the oil, right? Why just we just would have put it someplace convenient. Yeah, you know, you just put it put it like underneath Washington D.C. so we could put it all in our taps <laughs> or something, right? Right. Like why why do you need that pipeline then? What's the point? And and the fact is is that we do things all the time to help ourselves and to change how we look at the world. You know what I mean? Like we're fucking flying goddamn airplanes for Christ's sakes. We, we build skyscrapers. We, you know, tunnel under the ground and have public transportation, et cetera, et cetera. The idea that like manna is going to fall from heaven and that we don't have to do anything. It's, it's only to poo poo stuff you don't like. It's only to say to no to things you don't want to do to say, Oh, well, God will provide here, but you're providing everywhere else. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, it's funny because I don't think that there's another issue that gets the same kind of, uh, you know, backward glance that this kind of gets where it's it's like they're, they're walking away from it being like, yeah, oh, fucking God will fix that. I mean, you think about think about like the the oil spills. I mean, if this were the case and I say this with all honesty, but if, if it were the case that you simply could not affect change through the actions of man. Why even why even cap them off? You know what I mean? Like right. when that when that fucking rig blew a couple of years ago, the BP oil spill, and it was like just fucking spouting oil into the Gulf yeah. and fucking by the gajillions of gallons. And there was this, all these, you know, pr proposals to fix it and solutions. Why even bother? 
If it were really the case that, that we cannot do anything to harm the oceans or damage the air or affect the climate, then then why even why make even the most modest efforts right. towards sustainability? Or right. I mean, why just throw our fucking garbage out our fucking window or empty our fucking chamber pot in the street like it's fucking Victorian London? <laughs> Yeah, we, remember when? Remember when Rush Limbaugh was like, "The ocean just eats that up." I you know, know he was like, "It just, just solves it itself." Up. It's like it just gobbles it up. <laughs> nom, 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 nom. It tastes like blueberry muffins <laughs> to the ocean. <laughs> so what great. the fuck? That is so great. Yeah, I did. You see that? Uh, I saw the other day, like San Paulo, Brazil, or something is like running out of water. It's like a major population center, and oh no, it's starting to run out of water to the point where they're only letting people get water like three days a week. Yeah, because what? they deforested, they deforested the rainforest down there so much uh, that they just don't have the same water table that they used to have. So they changed. I mean some climate down there. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> hey, we don't have water. Well, God will provide. Yeah. We can fucking provide me any water. Maybe yeah. bring me a Sprite. Like, what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah. That's horrible, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a big population center, too. It's a huge population center. Um, there's 11 million people. Yeah, and there's tons of polluted rivers down there, and they, like, clear-cut all the forests around there and shit, so, like, like they're like basically fucked. Like they are essentially fucked. Eleven million people are essentially fucked. Um, I mean, I'm sure so many people to be they're fucked. Fi- they'll figure something out. I'm sure, but it's it's not it's not without its challenges. You know, that could be clearly avoided by, uh, you know, I don't know, just figuring some shit out ahead of time. But you know, just do a search for San Paulo drought. And you'll see this the, the things taps run dry in Sao Paulo, Sao Paulo. I'm saying it wrong, Sao Paulo, uh, drought. But water company barely shrugs. And there's just like you know you're talking about. It says here it says in one of the articles it says four out of the five reservoirs interlink system that supplies 6.5 million people, more than a third of the metropolitan population, were were vividly depleted. Caked red banks of exposed there show just how low the uh, the water levels have fallen, and they just show like. How tiny that is. And it's a huge fucking population center. We're talking about 11 million people. I, you know, I have read a, a, a half a dozen articles or so that lead me to believe that fresh water, availability of fresh water will be as big a deal as oil within my child's lifetime. I, I, I do believe that that is probably going to be the case. I, I actually have thought that. You know, here we live, Cecil, right by the Great Lakes. You know, yeah. some of the largest bodies of, of fresh water in the world. Yeah. Um, and I would be totally unsurprised if within my children's lifetime, if that water wasn't uh, sent all across the world or uh, across the country, at least via pipelines like we do oil. That would not surprise me yeah. in the least. A long black cock, long black cock, a long Well, here's a happy little story from the friendly atheist. In the footsteps of the prophet, Australian Muslim marries a child and pays the price for it. Um, So basically a Lebanese dude um, was determined to marry a 12-year-old girl he saw in a mosque. Um, And with the help of the relatives, he organized a ceremony Mm -hmm. to marry the 12-year-old. Right. 
got a cleric. I don't know how he found one. Got a cleric to agree to marry the couple. Um, okay. To call them a couple is sort of horrifying. Um, and then he impregnated her. So there you oh. go. Did she? Did she? Did she come to term with the baby, Tom? No, she miscarried. Aww. Well, everything was going so well beforehand. It was a match made in heaven. What a shame. You know, there's a a reference here, they say, in the footsteps of the prophet, and that actually references uh, a poem. The footsteps, you know the footsteps poem, right? I do, I do know the footsteps footsteps poem. poem. Except for, this is a Muslim version, and uh, there's only one set of footprints, and that's because the prophet and his wife are walking, and she's still being swaddled. (laughs) So that's why there's only one set of footprints. Oh, no. So, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, what do you say about this other than what this is? I don't know, Cecil. I really don't know if if religion was the driving force that caused this. <laughs> but at the fucking very least, it was the justification that sure. made this possible. Absolutely. It's not like this guy is, you know, uh, this guy, I'm sure did not do this because he was religious. He did this because he's a creep. Right. Right. You do this. You don't do this because you're religious. You do this because you're a creep. But (laughs) you justify it after the fact and you get other people to let you be a fucking creep. Right. Because you're a religious person. He took advantage of the religious infrastructure to make this possible. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I mean... Uh, what they say in this in the thing that he pays the price for it? Um, what did he wind up going to jail for several years? He paid the price for it, but at the wedding shower, I think they all paid the Fisher price for it when they gave her oh, no. all the stuff. Oh. You know, like the little you can't give a kid like that a full kitchen. You got to give her like the Betty Crocker kitchen one with like the <laughs> little fake. She's got baking a, a wedding cake a, what is by it light called? bulb. What is that thing called? The the what is that can the fucking Betty whatever the fuck it is. You know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, the, the easy bake oven. Easy bake easy oven. Bake oven. That's what it's called. There you yeah. go. Yeah. It's pretty easy for her to point on the doll where the bad man touched her since she still has all of her dolls. All of her dolls. Yeah, you know I mean like pretty easy. You just be like well, I could show you in graphic detail where he touched me. Uh, yeah. You know, the, the couple was registered at Macy's and Toys R Us. Toys R Us. So yeah. it was pretty difficult right. to make a choice yeah. as to as to where to get them there. You know, it, they could they could use the you know, multi purpose the ceremony of the wedding for her middle school graduation as well. So <laughs> so while oh, no. <laughs> while, you know, they either that or I mean, because she was what, twelve? Yeah, you know, right. Yeah, well, so she's oh, a sixth guy, grader. Yeah. Oh, that's true. This guy's not going to wait. Who are we kidding? Yeah, this is a sixth grader. So yeah, you don't want to. The thing is that they're they're an old maid by yeah, the time they get to little, high little school. Long, little long in the tooth at that right? point. You know what I mean? In, in the, and by long in the tooth, I think what you mean is they have lost all of their baby teeth, <laughs> and, they're and just they very getting, literally have their actual longer just, teeth. Just have, getting it in. Yeah. 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 When you're. When your twelve-year molars come in, I mean, then you really—I mean, you're second tier. Oh, no. at that point, right, right. Is I wonder if that is one thing that they do if they if they look a goof bride in the mouth to see if they, she's actually got all of her teeth, Jesus. her 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 new teeth, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's it's and that can be difficult because yeah. often the you know the brides at this age they still have their braces on. Oh God, you know. Um, but it's better yeah. now because the Invisalign makes it easier well, to yeah, see back. Yeah, totally and, does. And it totally make does. sure that yeah. they're, yeah, you know, still young enough to wed. You don't want to. You don't want to get. You don't wait until 
they fully mature, right, Cecil? That would right. be that would be a horror. I mean, because then they might think a thought. You can't have that. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. No. Uh uh-uh, uh. Uh uh. Man, you know, I just wonder. I wonder, Cecil, where, oh, where could this <laughs> idea's genesis have come from? Because in order for this to have occurred, this creepy fucking pedophile dude right. had to get the collusion of the relatives and then the, the cleric. So there was like a whole system of people. I mean, what possible justification could he have given? It, what, I, what, I don't know, what code, what kind of... What kind of cultural hero could he have? Oh, right. <laughs> Muhammad the pedophile. I was going to say John Wayne, but okay. <laughs> I guess we'll go with Muhammad. The, uh, the, the thing that bothers me about this story, the besides thing? all Wait of it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do not use the singular. Yeah, in- I said besides all of it. Okay. But this person, Tassawar, I think is how you'd say their name, pleaded guilty to the offense of solemnization of a marriage by an unauthorized person and was fined $500 and his religious leader visa was canceled. This is the person who married them. Can we just, if you were to like supply, let's say I were to go to you, Tom, and be like, hey, you got a young girl I could fuck? And you would say, yeah, I seem to kidnap young girls all the time. I would like you to come in into my establishment and let me let you have sex with one of my young girls. I could go into your establishment, this fake establishment that I've created for you, Tom. Where I don't you, want this establishment. You're a, a ch- you're a child pimp. I don't want uh, What is happening in this scenario? <laughs> so you wind up letting me have sex with it. Do you think you would just be charged with like $500 for like solicitation with a minor or something? Like you would be really, really fucked for that. I mean, you would like, I would imagine that you would be completely thro- throw the book at you. I can't imagine that this person doesn't face some more harsh penalty for facilitating this because he really was the one who facilitated it without his blessing would have never happened. I don't understand why all parties involved, like the, the relatives who allowed them contact who are like, because everybody in their duty to protect this, this girl failed in their duty. Absolutely. Everybody who had an opportunity to stop this pedophile, and I and I, the I have to really think that the only thing that could have induced them to to put aside their common fucking sense that says that a grown man should not be marrying—that's a gross word to even use here, because there was nothing. This yeah. was not a marriage, right? She I didn't think, consent yeah. to this marriage. Yeah, right, right. So to call this a marriage is really. A, a, a bastardization of that word without consent. How can there be marriage? If sure. marriage is a contract, so, so, but the inducement here had to come from. So it had to come from this cultural bias that says that either women are property to be given away, or, or I don't even know what's the second. Like, what are the other options? Like, women are property, or that, or that, or that women at at the age of. Of 10, 11, 12, it's okay to sexualize them and pimp them out? Do you, can you, I, I can't, I can't see how you look at this and say like, yes, that is the society we want to create. That is how we want to treat girls. That is how we protect the young people in our society. I don't know, man. This next story I found everywhere. This is just from the Daily Mail just because 
There's a thousand fucking headlines for it, so I can just read through them and give the highlights. <laughs> um, we thought they would kill us. They killed the family pet. Why Arkansas state representative gave away his adopted daughter, who was six, and her sister to a friend who then raped her. Uh, Justin Harris adopted the girls in 2013, then gave them away after six months, handed them over to Eric Francis, who went on to rape the six-year-old. Francis was convicted of sex crimes in 2014 and given a 40-year sentence. Harris's role in giving the girls to a rapist only emerged this week. He attempted to justify the decision by saying that the girls were violent at home. So victim blamed them. Said his family suffered death threats from the young girls and added that they had crushed the, the to death the pet um, that was living there. And it's actually a little, it's actually even a little crazier than that, Cecil. Um, yeah. Because this... Francis ran a Christian school, or, or I'm sorry, Harris ran a Christian school that Eric Francis was the head teacher of. Harris fired Francis and didn't ask for the kids back. Like, this is a guy you said, like, I don't want you working for me, but you can have my children for keepsies. Oh. Why Everything is, it, is wrong about this. Stuff. Why is it that you're rehoming children again? Like, what is it? What are you? Are you kidding me? Like, like, can you imagine going through the process? I mean, going through the process of becoming uh, an adopted parent is a long, arduous process as it is. And to think that you're just going to be able to just hand that kid off indefinitely to whoever you like. How does that even work? I don't I don't understand this rehoming thing. I wouldn't treat a dog this way. And I mean that. Like, if I got a dog, if you commit, I mean, if you go through the process and you commit to bringing a living thing into your home and you say, I am going to make this thing part of my family, I am making a commitment to this other living thing, you make the fucking commitment. And if you're not ready to make the fucking commitment, then you don't do the thing. You don't, you don't provisionally bring somebody into your home as your son or daughter. That is insane. That, I... I can't even understand the mindset that allows such a thing to be a possibility in your mind. And th- and this justification that he gives, Cecil, that, oh, I know. oh, well, they were violent, so I gave them away. First of all, it's not like it's not like when you go to adopt kids that there's not a, as you mentioned, like a long and arduous process. Like there's psychological profile. There's all kinds of things that go into this thing. So you, you have to figure... You at least know a little bit what the history and the and the and the makeup of these children are that you're going to adopt. But even if this were a surprise, the fact that these that like an eight year old kid, I'm afraid an eight year old kid is going to kill my fucking family. Really? Is there anything an eight year old can do that would scare you? Other than unless you were like giving a Uzi lessons or something like that. <laughs> right. like, is there anything? Anything that an eight-year-old could do that would possibly scare you? I can't think that there's anything an eight-year-old could do that could scare me that I couldn't find a way to control. So when I say that, I think, you know, like, yes, if I'm sleeping and they grabbed a knife, could an eight-year-old inflict damage on me in my sleep? Sure. That's that's certainly very possible. You know, eight-year-old kid weighs, what, 70, 80 pounds? Can swing sure. a knife and yeah, yeah. put it in my body. In They're a probably a little, more strong, a little stronger than Chucky from the movie. Oh, right, sure. right. Yeah. But, you know... I have to think that that there are options, and the option is not like 
I don't want him anymore is yours now. Yeah, because it's your fucking responsibility that he's violent or she's violent. Isn't that how responsibility works? Oh. That you that you take on a responsibility and and I and the, and the reason this makes the the show is because this is a guy who ran a Christian school. Like these are the guys who will stand up and they will look you right in the eye, Cecil, and they will tell you about how their religion makes them a more moral person, how it builds their moral character, how it shapes their moral worldview, how we they, they simply could not imagine living a moral life without it. These are people who gave away their children. And these are not people without resources. This motherfucker was a fucking senator. What is this this guy uh, that he gave him to, too? You just, like, hand him off to your rapey friend? <laughs> Like what? I how does that work? Like how does that? How does that? I can't even. I can't even wrap my head around how this tiny-headed guy. Because look at the size of this guy. Like he's he's huge, and his head is very small. I know his neck. Like his he's neck is. Like, he's like a triangle. Yeah. yeah. His whole self is like a triangle. He's a crazy-looking dude, but uh, the. This guy winds up handing off his kids because he's afraid of them. At one point, it says like my wife and I had to barricade ourselves in the in a room with our kids, our three boys, because we were afraid of these other kids. And I'm thinking, man, are you the biggest goddamn pussy in the world? <laughs> like, what are you kidding me? And I, it's just a cop out. This is an after the it fact. Is bullshit cop out this is a, he wasn't afraid of this person he just wanted to get rid of him he wanted to offload him because you know what he still collected the fucking money from them So this story comes from Fox 19. Terrorist suspect Christopher Christopher Cornell. I'm so dedicated, I risked my whole life. Um, In Cincinnati, Ohio, Christopher Cornell, 20 years old, um, said, quote, when when asked uh, if if he would have followed through with his threats to bomb, bomb the Capitol, he said, I would have released more bullets on the Senate and House of Representative members, and I would have attacked the Israeli embassy and various other buildings. Um, I'm with the Islamic State, Cornell said. I'm very dedicated to establish the Sharia in America, to wage war on the kafir and raise the word of Allah above all. I'm so dedicated that I risked my whole life. Well, I guess we need to put it that way. It sounds sort of religiously motivated. Uh, come on now. Let's blame this on America somehow. <laughs> I think he was doing this uh, to end the drone strikes. Oh, is that why he was doing it? Yeah, that's why he said specifically, uh, I am dedicated to establishing Sharia in America and waging war on unbelievers. Maybe what he wanted the drone for was like a Roomba for his beard. Maybe <laughs> He's going to need one. That his thing beard, is awesome. His beard is indistinguishable from his hair, like on the back of his head. like it, So because he sort of pulls his ear, his hair behind his ears sort of flows behind his ears and in that picture I can't tell where one stops and the other starts. It's like party in the front front. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know like okay. You know I got to say like you look at this guy and the and the only thing I think is like I'm surprised in Ohio he wasn't arrested earlier. <laughs> 
just for just for look. I mean, uh, <laughs> if he put on if he put on like an old timey uh, suit and one of those top hats, they'd think he's Amish. That, that's actually probably true. Yeah. That would be a pretty good disguise. It would be. Um, you know, they busted this guy buying guns and like a like you know six hundred rounds of ammunition or something. That's that's how they first caught this cat. Um, and I, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because there is literally no way, there is no way Beardy McBearderson here could possibly be construed as having a motivation other than a religious motivation. Right, I would right. I would legitimately love to hear C.J. Werleman spin this one. It would be amazing. And you know, there doesn't mean that there aren't groups of people in this country that. Uh, you know that I have sympathy for I do and there are kids that were brought into this country by their parents unknowing that they were breaking the law and they will say to me and others who defend the rule of law we have to do something about the 11 million and some of them are valedictorians well my answer to that is and by the way their parents brought them in it wasn't their fault it's true in some cases but they aren't all valedictorians they weren't all brought in by their parents Uh, for everyone who's a valedictorian there's another hundred out there that um, they weigh 130 pounds, and they've got calves the size of cantaloupes because they're hauling 75 pounds of marijuana across the desert. Well, this story's all the sad things. It's from thinkprogress.org. Faith groups are trying to block emergency contraception oh. for raped migrant children. Is well, that the is that the Welcome to America prize? Is that what that is? <laughs> is that like oh, you get one of those? Oh God, it's that. Well, you know you're fucked. When you read a story, um, or if you're a migrant girl, um, when you read a story that starts off with (laughs) estimates suggest that anywhere between 60 and 80 percent of migrant migrant women and girls are raped on their journey as they travel across the southern United States border. That is an astonishingly high number of people. I, I don't even know how to think about numbers like that. And and horrifyingly, rape and sexual assault were major motivating factors for why the girls flee their homes in El Salvador, Honduras, and Guatemala. So these these fucking these poor human beings have fucking dirt poor shit lives in you know the countries of their origin. They're afraid, rightfully, of being raped or sexually assaulted. They flee. They travel across hundreds, if not thousands of miles through desperate conditions. They're preyed upon by fucking awful human beings, and they finally make it to this country. And what do we do? Like, what do the religious organizations do that are there, ostensibly, Cecil, to provide aid? Because they cannot be there for any other conceivable reason. They block emergency contraception for raped children. Uh, um, right? Right? I, yeah. So, okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I would be – here's the thing. If you had anything to say, if you were not if, – if you can hear those words and not be stunned into silence <laughs> – <laughs> then, like, all of the things in you are broken. And I actually got I, – I, I hate to reference this sort of shit, but I'm going to anyway. I got into it on our Facebook page with some dude. He was like, yeah, well, maybe we should just not let them all into the country. That'll solve the problem. And I'm just like, that is the worst. Like, And then somebody's like, what, are you going to go on North Korea? He's like, we'll go North Korea if we have to on them. And it's like these are already people who have suffered – 
every human indignity. Yeah. And then they get here, and we are going to heap upon them additional indignities because Jesus? Well, I, uh, first off, I feel like the the emergency contraception thing is a bullshit argument, right? That's just a bullshit argument when you're looking at it as a religious person anyway because you can't – it's a fucking nothing, man. It's a – it's uh it's it, it could be a period for crying out loud. It's it's there's nothing there yet. It's not like it's not like it's got a degree. It's not like it's a you know it owns a car and a house and a boat. It's a fucking nothing. It's not a thing. You can't that's a that just that shit just drives me crazy cuz that's not there's no argument to be had there. You could never convince me. I don't care how hard you try. You know anything I would say before the first 10 weeks is even remotely human. That's not a thing yet. And and I just I hate that argument. I hate it so much. So I just I that's a dumb argument as it stands, but the very fact that they're refusing this care shows that I think the contempt in which they are caring for the people, right? There's has to be I think when you're providing charity to someone else. You need to think about the dignity of that person. You need to think about their dignity as a human being. And how best you can preserve that dignity. It's super important when you're handing out charity to anyone to not look down on them, to not be a dick to them, to not say, well, here's your fucking sandwich. I hope you fucking choke on it. <laughs> like, like nobody does that. But there's this, I mean, that seriously is one of the very first things you learn in charity work is how to treat other people like you would want to be treated. It's a real simple way to do it, but it's something that is very important. Um, you can be an asshole and give people charity, but that's not real charity. It's just you being a dick and lording it over someone. Right. And that's what this is. They're just being dicks and lording it over someone. They're, they're, they're there in name because they want to make look like they're actually helping. But all they're really doing is fucking looking down their nose at the people who show up and then deciding what care they get and treating them badly when they are clearly damaged. None of those things are right. None of those things are right with your charity, period. Do you think part of this has to do with your first point about about the, the religious people's nonsensical insistence that um, pregnancy, you, you know, automatically equates to, to life, you know, a human being? Um, do you think that that do you think that that stems from their inability to understand exactly how small a cell or two cells are? I was thinking about that yeah. as you were talking because when you said like it's like a period and I thought, well, it's even so much smaller than that in the first, you know, weeks of life. It is so it is like it's like we're talking about we're talking about something so unutterably small. Do you think that they even really get that? Part of me thinks that they're like this is like a group of people who, you know, by and large, like they don't. They're not real educated on the sciences often. And I wonder if they even understand what a clump of cells really even means, like objectively. Do you think that has anything to do with it at all? It might. It very well might. I don't know. I, it's hard to wrap my brain around what other people think about abortion. Um, I I, I can get behind and, and, and can have a conversation, I think, with someone who talks about viability outside the womb. And have a conversation with them about whether or not abortion should be allowed at that point. And I think that there is some 
gray area there that we can go back and forth and talk about. Sure. But there's that those abortions that happen where there's viability outside the room, womb are so few and far between. That's not a fucking normal thing. It's not like people, you know, party on down. Hey, look, I can eat whatever I want while I'm pregnant. Woohoo! Give me some chimichangas, you know? <laughs> I'm gonna get I'm gonna shoot this baby out of here before it's ready to be born. Like nobody does that. Like nobody nobody like revs themselves up so they can have an abortion. Like, nobody <laughs> Nobody fucking psychs themselves out and like high fives their girlfriend because they're going to go get boardies later. You know what I mean? Like they're just not going to go get we're going to go get boardies on the weekend. That's, nobody does that, you know. So this idea that this their, their idea and their straw men that they create just don't even exist as it stands. But I think that I think that there is something to be said about somebody's ideas of what a potential life is and what its rights are and how they feel that they want to stand up for that. However, if they were in a similar situation, they might change their minds because they don't realize that that freedom that they want to give to that child is impinging on someone else's freedoms to live their life, you know, in a different way, especially in this case. Right. You know, you could argue about abortion as as birth control in some ways, but we're talking about rapes here. This isn't this isn't something that these people are going to be happy and go and be like oh man remember when i crossed the border and you were born and i was raped and that was great and (laughs) nobody nobody's going to look back on that wistfully right it's not like it's not like they're like oh those old times when i was crossing the border and he raped me those were the good old days the i i think that the idea here is that is that not only you know are you you're in the wrong place to be arguing that or fighting that fight about uh contraception as a form of birth control you know, and that's uh, not contraception. Uh, the day after pill is a form of birth control. You're in the wrong argument spot there. But I feel like you're really not taking care of these people that have been raped, that have that really do need your care. They really do need your sensitivity and, you know, your your ability to help mitigate any damage that has already been done to them. Uh, th- this is such a horrible, horrible, horrible thing that's happening. And the, the like you say, the, the numbers in which they are being raped is so astounding as to leave everyone's jaw on the floor when you read this article. So far, there's a hilarious show. This is great. This is good stuff. <laughs> it's just, I the hope, thing is, these stories are so serious. I hope we could talk about, you know, just like maybe before we finish, is there any way we could maybe talk about beheadings? <laughs> And or somebody who say lights themselves on fire, or maybe more dead children. Is there any oh way we could God. talk about all those things? I think we got off the track when we allowed our government to become a secular government. Uh, when we stopped realizing that God created this nation, that He wrote the Constitution, that it's based on biblical principles, and and um, and and we allowed those that don't believe in those things to to keep pushing us pushing us and pushing us away from from uh, the government this story comes from the raw story angry conservative wishes beheading on oregon city official who opposes in god we trust display well that pretty much says it all i know i know like what else do you say well i guess there's a there's a video do you want to listen to it let's listen to it Trish Seiler received the profanity-laced letter on Valentine's Day. The writer said it would be a privilege to see Seiler beheaded by Muslims, which Seiler takes as a threat. (laughs) Will you be my beheaded? (laughs) The physical violence of beheading, um, that 
threat is not made by someone who is thinking rationally. The letter was sparked by an editorial opinion Seiler had written in opposition to a proposal to display the words, In God We Trust, in the county commissioner's hearing room. And that's what the Constitution and the Bill of Rights call for, separation of church and state. Seiler has since given the letter to police. Well, anytime we get uh, anything like this going on with one of our city council people, obviously that, uh, that raises some concerns for us. While the letter may be disturbing and offensive, police say it may not be criminal in nature. Wait. Oh, I guess she doesn't say, the person doesn't say that it's, I'm going to behead you. It's that I hope you get beheaded. Yeah, I is just, that, I hope it's a, the thing is that it's one thing to behead somebody yourself, but it's an entirely separate thing to hope that it just happens by happenstance. Right. So right. I think what they were hoping for was like an Acme Glass style, like comic beheading, like yeah. a Roadrunner, <laughs> you know? Where like, I don't want to behead you, that's fucking awful. But I yeah. do hope that you still get beheaded. Right. Maybe by an anvil or like a wacky series of hijinks or like a Final Destination style Rube Goldberg-esque <laughs> series of nearly improbable events that ultimately culminate in your head exploding from your body. Or Scanners style. Sure, sure. You know, sure. Uh, volcanic head right, popping. right. Yeah. Any of these things are possible alternatives, Cecil. I, I'm not here. As somebody who wishes a beheading, I'm only specifying that I would like you beheaded. How you get there is your journey, man. Can we just go back to how Wiley Coyote gets beheaded with an anvil? Because I'm just <laughs> curious. I just I I always thought that anvils had dull edges. I always thought, you know, that they just couldn't do that sort of thing. But I'm just really curious how that even would happen. From a, from a high enough distance, I think. <laughs> I guess everything from enough is a, distance. Yeah, high enough distance. You know, the the blade of the guillotine becomes kind of irrelevant. You know, because <laughs> I'll tell you what, that handbill gets pushed from the top of one of those cliffs. Your head's yeah. coming off your body, okay. my friend. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. It's kind of uh, an issue where we need to find the balance between uh, what's said versus uh, somebody's freedom of speech. Siler notified her fellow council members about the letter Monday evening. And while she's still upset, Siler says her opinions haven't changed. You will not get me to denounce my values and my beliefs. It's not going to happen. The letter was signed, American Citizen for Saving America for Americans. <laughs> That's tremendous. That is just fucking tremendous. Do you think that oh. happens in Britain? Oh. God, that's amazing. Well, you British, know, like that somebody British signs something like British, British citizen Britain? who is angry that British, 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 British. <laughs> I don't gotta think hear so. that. I gotta hear it again. I what it, I, it was signed. It's so awesome. Hold on. Let's hear what it says again. It's not going to happen. The letter was signed "American Citizen for Saving America for Americans." <laughs> <laughs> what it, was, it would have to be signed "British Citizen for Saving Britain for Britons." <laughs> <laughs> like that. That's sort of like gratuitous fucking use of America. Oh, like, God. I have to think that that is a uniquely us thing. God, is it a Poe, though? Like, I always imagine this person because it's signed and it says right underneath it, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> so in one sentence, they said America like three times. Four yeah. times. Four. 
Oh, that's awesome. They weren't God. satisfied with a fucking hat trick of America. Oh, they that needed could to be add misconstrued a- as Canadian. Oh, they needed to add one. This is a person who is defending. I mean, she's right when she's like, yeah, it's fucking separation of church and state. Like, you don't love America. Somebody cut your head off. Well, that's not going to. Like, we're not going to not. Oh, man, that fucking council person's head got cut off. Well, I guess now there's no separation of church and state. That was the only person. <laughs> that was it. That was the whole separation. The, the whole separation of church and state was, you know, this one person in Klamath Falls. Without without them, the the entire religious organizations would run roughshod over America. Thank you very much, Klamath County, right. for saving America. Man. Saving American for Americans for America. Good for you. <laughs> I do, I do like that. Uh, you know, this the the arguments in favor of the uh, of of posting this in God We Trust says um, Commissioner Malum said he did not anticipate posting the motto to be a problem since it doesn't say the God of the Bible. It's not Allah. It's not the God of the Jews. It's just acknowledging there's a higher power. And he says, as for atheists, quote, they don't have to look at it. <laughs> like, well, you wouldn't know. To avoid looking at it until you'd already seen it, <laughs> even if that even if that were a solution that in some crazy world made sense, you would have to know it was there to avoid it, right? Or you would have to just have like a like a seeing eye offense dog, right? That only it'll tell you like you walk in a room and if it barks twice, there's nothing offensive and you can open and you your can eyes. open your eyes, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to go through with one of those, like, fucking canes. <laughs> What's that, Lassie? Someone said in God we trust? <laughs> we, Lord, we just ask to, to be covered with the blood of Jesus. Open hearts, Lord. Open hearts. So this story comes from uh, KSHB or whatever, dot com, kebab dot com. I don't know. Uh, charged mom. God told son to abuse children. Everything about this story is crazy. A Kansas City woman is facing four counts of child abuse um, and her justification. Now, she's not actually the one who committed the abuse. Um, She allowed for some of the abuse, according to her. um, But she allowed it because her son claimed God told him to do it. Let me just let me just throw that back out there. Sure, sure. She is allowing this because somebody said that God said go ahead and do it. Oh, what are you, what are you doing? Why are you why are you burning my three year old daughter with a hot knife and throwing my two year old daughter against the wall? Oh no, it's cool. God said I should do this. Oh, all right. And here I thought you were behaving crazily. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like just letting a, you know, this is, this is the, this is where you've got to look at, at religion as a, as a major negative. This is where you've got to look at it and say, religion is at fault here because it is, it it is either the fact that she was negligent, right? And she's after the fact saying, oh, well, he said, God, let me do it. And she thinks people will think that that's okay, right? That God, because God talk through my son or whatever it is that she's whatever kind of cockamamie story she's coming up with after the fact right that's insulting to everyone else because it's basically saying that we're we're stupid enough to believe that you know god is talking to your son saying it's okay to bounce him off the wall bounce the little kid off the wall until it dies 
it's okay. Either that or she really does believe. She really does look at this and think it's okay because God talked through him. God talked to him through. I mean, what what other analog is there? Where's the other thing where we can look at and say, oh, well, if she wasn't religious, what would she do in this situation? Because I can't think of anything else that would give you authority to hurt another human other than otherworldly power. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that um, very frequently um, we find these stories where people go fucking ape shit, and they and they they have a psychotic break or, or you know what have you. I'm not a hundred, obviously not familiar, just from reading a news story with exactly what happened. But but we read stories from time to time <clears throat> where people have some kind of a psychotic episode or a psychotic break, and it it's interesting how many times the. Uh, sort of the the rationale and the broken mind turns toward the fantastic. And when it turns toward the fantastic, it very frequently veers into the religious because it's this playground that exists, you know, that's sort of pre-programmed, that's ready and waiting to accept the madness and to say like, oh, well, we can do all this crazy. Like if we hear voices in our head, maybe they're God. Rather than if you hear voices in your head, maybe you need help. Maybe if I hear voices in my head telling me to do something, maybe I'm maybe I'm like Abraham. You know, maybe I'm maybe right, maybe right. it's God calling to me like Abraham rather than holy shit, I should fucking call 911 and get someone over here immediately. You know, and and I don't necessarily know that people could respond that lucidly um in the midst of a break, but part of me wonders if that wasn't if that wasn't sort of pre-programmed, you know, in the mindset to where you're because there's a history of this revelatory bullshit that sort of feeds into that. Um, but even if the kid like let's say it was the kid in this case, let's say it was the nine year old who had the psychotic break and you walk in your nine year olds like fucking bouncing the kids off the wall and you're like, what are you doing? Why are you murdering my child? My child? <laughs> Yeah. Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Mom, no, I mean, it looks bad. I get it. No. Right. I mean, I get, wow. I can really see how you'd misconstrue this. <laughs> but hang on. There's a there's a good explanation for all of it. Hang on. God said it's cool. So why does, why does God want you to throw a kid into a wall? Like, what's the, what's the end game there? Yeah, right? I, I, I got to prove that I love him. By chucking kids into walls, that's how you do it. Like it's maybe how... he was just maybe he was just disappointed to have a dog like a girl. Instead, he wanted a bouncing baby boy. <laughs> you know, maybe that was the. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So this story comes from the raw story. A woman burning for Jesus sets hair on fire and climbs a tree where she demands drugs and a ride. <laughs> To Kentucky, and I will say the first thing that I thought was, with a story like this, I'm surprised she wasn't already in Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> no, she was in Idaho, and she was looking to go to Kentucky. Well, she was hilariously in Tennessee. Oh. I don't know how you would tell the difference between being yeah, in Tennessee, Tennessee and Kentucky. Right. Yeah, I don't know either. You think yeah. you just come up to her and be like, you're already in Kentucky. Like, I think I uh, think the difference is instead of marrying your sister, you marry your cousin. I think that's <laughs> what the difference is. So a woman was arrested in Tennessee after police said she used the <laughs> eternal flame at a war memorial to set her own hair on fire. <laughs> 
in a bizarre stunt to obtain drugs and possibly a ride out of state. I I want to know the logistics of this. I really just I want to know one how you convince someone to be like, look, I will give you some oxycotton. All you have to do is climb that tree over there, and then light your hair on fire. And then after I give you some oxycotton, I will then take you to a place of your specification. How do the what are the negotiations like <laughs> on this? Funny idea. You like. Can you imagine being the officer? Yeah. And you're cold. <laughs> and you just see a woman in a tree with her hair on fire. Drive me to Kentucky and bring me some oxy. <laughs> it's like, you're like, Rush Limbaugh, get down from that tree. <laughs> Part of me, Cecil, would be tempted to just be like, okay, let's do it. I want to see where this night goes. <laughs> This is, it's so crazy. So she climbs up the tree and she, yeah, and this she, is the best part. This where she claims she was burning for Jesus. Right. She demanded the oxycot and she has to return home. A police officer manages to convince her to climb down, but she well, falls. What do you mean by climb down? Do you just mean come out of the tree? Is that what you mean? It says, but she fell and she broke fell. several limbs from yeah. the tree. And I was uh, glad that she only broke the tree rather than herself because after your hair has already been set on fire. So <laughs> so hold on. So so what you're saying is this lady fell out of the crazy tree and broke a bunch of limbs on the way down. Every branch on the way yeah, down. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Okay. What they didn't what they didn't what they didn't tell you in the article is that the the officer treated her like a fucking errant cat and just shook the shit out of the tree. <laughs> <laughs> She's hissing, <laughs> flames licking everywhere, and and in order to get her out of the tree, they left a little trail of oxycotton on the ground, <laughs> and that's why she jumped up like Pac-Man. She follows it like, like nom, 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 nom. She's like James Woods. Ooh, piece of candy. Ooh, piece of candy. Brock told the officer she was addicted to the opiate. Oh, shocking! Really? Yeah. It's not a casual use. <laughs> <laughs> says the woman who set her hair on fire. Yeah. Uh, and she starts cursing at everybody who gathers at the scene. She's, and the officer says, I love this, wait a minute, you're burning for Jesus and praying just a minute ago, and now you're cussing everybody. Which is it? And she said, I'm kind of confused about that myself. <laughs> and I think that's such a, that's such a considered yeah. and polite response. It really is. It's like it's like all of a sudden she has this moment of lucidity while her fucking hair is flying. She just fell out of a tree. You know? <laughs> Officer It turns out this evening did not go the way I planned. I really thought when I, when I walked up to the eternal flame and set my head on fire. And as I was climbing the tree, I thought, ah. This is the path to greatness. Yeah. This was my moment of clarity right there. That was it. <laughs> she does have a great story for NA. Like, when did you hit rock bottom? <laughs> Ironically. When I hit the bottom of the tree, it's my about- hair on fire. <laughs> it's funny. Did, did, did you cover the part where she, she stole things from a Masonic lodge? <laughs> no, I didn't. This story is great. So she gets arrested. She's charged with vandalism. She steals items. Uh, from the Masonic Lodge, then sets her hair and her jacket on fire. Um, she had asked by name for a lodge member she met the day before at church, 
then took pictures of the walls and stole a medallion and an empty register book. Um, what are you going to do with the empty <laughs> register book? She was going to light it on fire, I, I think. I can't understand a single step to her plan. Her plan is so delightfully batshit crazy. She's like, ah, I'll take this old register book, and then I'll light my hair on fire, and then the world will know. What well, What will we know exactly? <laughs> well, I think you'll know. <laughs> and I, I, you know, it doesn't specify, Cecil, um, which of her hairs she set afire. And I will say that there is a biblical precedent for a burning bush. So it is. <laughs> well, that wraps it up for this week, everyone. Good. It was fucking depressing. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I wish that, you know, next time can we have fewer dead children and more people lighting themselves on fire? Is that possible? Can I order <laughs> I that up? I can't control these people. We'd really appreciate it if you would uh, vote for us in the podcast awards. We're in the news and politics section. Uh, you can vote for us every day. We'd really appreciate a vote. And uh, and you can still vote for all your other favorite podcasts as well. Uh, there's t- there's tons of other podcasts that are involved in the podcast awards, and almost certainly none of them you listen to in the news and politics section. So you could almost certainly give us guarantee your vote for us there, and we and we desperately appreciate it. So please, if you have some time, take a moment every day and go d- vote for us. <laughs> we're gonna have a regular show out on Monday, and uh, this wraps it up for this short show. But we're gonna leave you as we always do with the Skeptics Creed. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. Couched in scientician, double bubble, toil and trouble, pseudo quasi alternative, acupunctuating, pressurized, stereogram, pyramidal, free energy, healing, water, downward spiral, brain dead pan, sales pitch, late night info docutainment. Leo Pisces, Cancer Cures, Detox, Reflex, Foot Massage, Death and Towers, Tarot Cars, Psychic Healing, Crystal Balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, Aliens, Churches, Mosques and Synagogues, Temples, Dragons, Giant Worms, Atlantis, Dolphins, Truthers, Birthers, Witches, Wizards, Vaccine Nuts, Shaman Healers, Evangelists, Conspiracy, Doublespeak, Stigmata, Nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. The opinions and views expressed in this show are that of the hosts only. Our poorly formed and expressed notions do not represent those of our wives, employers, friends, families, or of the local dairy council. 